Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Phoenix Business Radio X. In this studio, we are building businesses, connecting people, and highlighting individuals in the community. We do have other shows that take place in this studio as well, but today is a house show, which means we get to highlight and showcase some special companies and individuals. My name is Kendra Maples. I'm going to be your guest today. We also have our producer who is on mic and who will be the co-host today as well, Daryl Robinson. Thank you, Kendra. And so we're going to be your co-hosts today as we introduce a very amazing individual in this community. We have Michael Holian. He is the Region 3 International Director for Toastmasters International. It's already a mouthful. I'm going to give a little bit of a snippet, but first, Michael, welcome. Thank you. We are very excited to have you in the studio today. I'm just going to read the tiniest snippet of Toastmasters, but then I want you to really have the chance to elaborate and tell us. But just so our audience has an idea in the beginning, Toastmasters International is a worldwide nonprofit educational organization that empowers individuals to become more effective communicators and leaders. That's just a snapshot. So, Michael, let's tell us about you first, actually, before we really jump into Toastmasters and your role. Tell us about you and how did you get to this role? Sure, Kendra. It has been a 30-year journey for me to get from first walking into a Toastmasters club to being an international director sitting on the board of directors for Toastmasters International. Nice. 30 years ago, I was asked to speak at a conference, and I didn't believe I had the skills. Actually, I believed I had the skills, and then I presented in front of my boss, and he informed me that, no, you don't have the skills. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And he pointed down the hall to Toastmasters, and in fact, there was a Toastmasters that met at my company that I had missed for well over a year, just walked by. I went in there, I practiced, I delivered my speech, I joined the program. Months later, I went to New Orleans and presented at the conference and it was very well received. And you would think that perhaps you'd be done at that point, but really it was just beginning. Yeah. 30 years later, lots of fun, lots of laughs, lots of challenges, and the journey continues. Very cool. So when you say 30 years, has this been a journey just with Toastmasters or have you had other things along the way that have brought you back to Toastmasters then? That's a good question. The the first Toastmasters was in Texas, Tyler, Texas. Okay. And when I moved a few years later from Tyler to the Gilbert Chandler area, I didn't seek a club right away. I got myself settled, got my family settled, mm -hmm. and then started looking for Toastmasters clubs. They're everywhere. They're, they're like you walk past them because they're in the hallway where you work. Huh. I found a couple that met my schedule, went and visited, introduced myself, and eventually joined. Now, this might not be for everyone, but I joined a 6 a.m. breakfast club. Whew. Yeah. <laughs> That's commitment. Right. <laughs> and, and I met some great Toastmasters along the way there, continued. Eventually, I started 
a Toastmasters club at my employer at Motorola back in the day. Oh, cool. And did a lot there. There's a number of clubs that are associated with what what was Motorola here in the Valley. And there's clubs all over. There's over 140 clubs here in the Valley. Just here in the Valley. Oh, I'm sorry. Here in Tucson, both. Okay. Oh, wow. So give us some more insight into Toastmasters then. We kind of know how you, you know, got here, but I'm actually really amazed and I'm reading some notes that say almost 16,000 clubs in 149 countries. 300,000 plus people. Yeah. Wow. So tell me about that with the clubs, how it's set up. You said that you started a club. So what does that look like? And let's start there. Let's okay. start with the club. Love it. Because people join Toastmasters because they've heard about it, perhaps, mm-hmm. and, or someone like their boss has told them, you need this. Yep. And they go to improve themselves, to improve their communication skills. Mm-hmm. They're met when they walk in by a num- number of other people who share that same desire and goal. Mm-hmm. And you develop your skills and experiences by practicing speeches. So when it's experiential learning. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing. You can talk into the mirror all you want, but until you're talking <laughs> to people, you're not going to get that feedback, mm-hmm. whether it's the feedback that someone delivers or facial expressions that you see from people. I'm, I'm totally jazzing on the fact that we're talking here in person because, right? frankly, it's been... <laughs> It's been a long time since there's a lot of face-to-face meetings. Oh, yeah. We'll definitely dig into into that. We'll get into that for sure. (laughs) But just being able to key off different people and learn how to read their reactions and work the audience. Mm -hmm. And then you start giving feedback to other people. And that's a greater skill, Mm -hmm. right? Being able to speak is one thing. Being able to tell someone how they can improve is another great challenge. And then all of a sudden you find yourself giving Mm -hmm. and in service to other people. And it's very powerful. And it gives you a lot of reasons to continue and continue to grow. Mm -hmm. And that's what the Toastmasters Club experience is. That's fantastic. So I do want to highlight something that's going to connect in this conversation. So right before you came in, Daryl and I were talking and we're always touching base about the guests before they arrive. And he goes, wait, I was part of this program. So, Daryl, when you did this program, when when was that? And how does that kind of, like, what are you thinking right now as Michael's telling us about it? I would say when I did this program, it was more of a, for sure, in-person thing. I, I can't mm-hmm. even imagine trying to do a program like this via mm-hmm. Zoom. Just being in a room full of people who are, are there for the same reasons, but also having people like Michael and his team who are saying, hey, well, maybe you should, you know, try this or tweak this. It, it's it's a, it's a different experience. I, I can't imagine doing this any other way besides in person. So I think it's impressive. And, and I'm curious, what is that like right now as far as having to do stuff like this via Zoom? How does that work right now? Well, it works in many ways the same. Some of your keys and skills are different. When you're in front of a camera, a Zoom camera in particular, you have a window that's a, about 
Yeah. This big. I realize I'm on radio <laughs> and I'm not on it's Zoom fine. here. But Dear Lord, I could see you. <laughs> everyone who's done Zoom knows the frame that you're in. And there's not much room to be very expressive and things like that. So you have to do it more deliberately. Mm-hmm. You have to find ways to make impact with your voice. I'm, I'm speaking to the choir here, right? Because mm-hmm. you're yeah. working with your voice is the key to everything you do. Mm-hmm. Working on camera eye contact when you're not seeing people, things like that. There's a whole new set of challenges. But the opportunities that we discovered as we did this, two years ago before we went into COVID, Toastmasters was playing around a little bit with virtual clubs and virtual meetings. And they they were not really taking a leadership position in it. They were just beginning to feel it out. Okay. There's a lot of questions around how we're set up organizationally Mm -hmm. and how me as a Toastmaster can join a Toastmasters club in Johannesburg as long as I'm willing to give up sleep to do so, mm-hmm. right? And I can just do that, and I can be in the same virtual room as them. So the opportunities have been vast, and we've seen a lot of growth, yeah. and we've seen people jumping across continents, across states, a lot of value added. Not only that, but now the workplace requires that you be proficient in video conferencing. Mm-hmm. Right? Whether you're in the office or whether you're remote, you're going to be in Zoom calls. Mm-hmm. So you have to appear proficient. And Toastmasters is helping us continue to build those skills to gain that proficiency and sound professional in what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So how you're saying that now there's that opportunity to connect with clubs that are Toastmasters in all different areas. Can you explain, because I I know about Toastmasters, but I don't necessarily know the setup. So if I join, am I part of a particular club, or how does that work as far as being able to connect with a Toastmasters? I know that they were headquartered in Colorado. I have family there, so I'd love to join a Toastmasters there. Like, how does that kind of setup work? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you asked that question. A club is a standalone unit. Okay. And there are certain clubs that meet certain conditions that... For instance, the club, there's a club in the Florence prison that you probably won't be joining anytime soon. Oh. And we can talk more about that club. We're trying to get more clubs in the Florence prison because, yeah, and it's got such a fantastic participation rate. And last I heard, a zero recidivism rate of the people who are in the program and get out. So it's really cool. Yeah. There's closed clubs. There's clubs at my company. I work for AAA. There's that are for members only. Each club is a standalone unit, and you're a member of that club. They all abide under the same set of governing documents and rules, but they run their own business, and they manage most of their business. Hmm. Then there are support elements. Each club has a director called an area director, someone who's got about four or six clubs who's going to help them. Not all the Toastmasters have a lot of experience. The area director is going to help them find the ways they can continue to grow and improve and keep their meetings vital. Area directors work with under division directors. Division directors work in the district. And the district in Arizona is District 3, the third ever created, is statewide pretty much. We also have club number 16, 
Right. So in, in Arizona, we were one of the first outside of the state Toastmaster clubs wow. ever to be created about 97 years ago. 97. So when did the first one start? Believe we're at 98 years since Ralph Smedley started the first Toastmaster club in California. Okay. He had been working with that same concept and principle for a number of years, but didn't get the real operating club going until 1924, I believe. Okay. And so speaking of international, what are you in places? What other countries are you in? It, it, it's really difficult to think of the countries <laughs> we're not in. Oh, okay. that's wow. a good answer. And uh, this morning I had a conference call with someone from Johannesburg. I threw that name out earlier, but I did that. And tomorrow, I, I don't even remember. I'd have to look <laughs> at my calendar. But highly international. Mm-hmm. We are growing tremendously in all of Mexico. Has been exploding. India, China, and South Africa have been some of our biggest growth Areas. We've been in Europe and very popular in Europe for a, a long time. But developing countries, in addition to using Toastmasters to gain proficiency in communicating, they use it to gain proficiency in communicating in English. Mm-hmm. That, that's, a good, that's a good point because that's where I was going next. So I love that. Yep. So a lot of them might consult with English-speaking firms and for instance, and they'll spend time working on their skills to gain a leg up with the person who's working next to them. They'll have more practice in speaking English. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a big growth area. That's I I love that. And so I want to back up and go back to you mentioning this program in the prisons. We've had Televerdi on the show on a variety of shows out of this studio. Televerdi is a program that supports promoting and helping and supporting growth and roles for women in Perryville Prison so that they have the opportunity to learn sales and marketing. And part of that is these skills, right? These communication skills so that when they get out, like you mentioned with Toastmasters, they have a lower recidivist. Oh my God. How do you say it? That Um, And so when you mentioned this program being in the Florence prison, you know, my, my brain's connecting these two amazing programs together. So tell us a little bit about this program in the prison. How does that work? How does that grow? Like, what does that look like? Well, I think that goes back to, first of all, some tremendous volunteers who make that happen. Mm Mm-hmm before I go askew on this. But their club operates the same way as every other club does. They have members. Members sign up for roles. There's a number of different roles. You might choose to be giving a speech today. You might choose to be evaluating somebody's speech today. We have other roles. And many people in the meeting, we have about 10 or 12 different opportunities to present and speak in the meeting. And some of them might be small speaking roles and Somewhat matter of fact, someone who's keeping time of the speeches to tell you how you're doing. Hmm. One of the important things that you develop along the way of timing or perhaps listening for grammar errors. We're somewhat famous for being awe counters. 
<laughs> and it, it, it's it's almost cliche, but we do that as well. Listen for those those pauses and those words that are filler words that people use, and we report on those. We're all working on listening skills, mm-hmm. right? And not just listening, hearing, but critical listening, critical thinking. You sign up for those roles, you have those experiences, and you grow through there. And then you start sharing, as I said, with others. Works the same way in the prison. Mm-hmm. The The challenges that we have in our prison clubs are sometimes funding because the dues for every Toastmasters worldwide is a whopping $45 every six months. Okay. Okay. And that doesn't sound significant here, sitting here in the studio. It It is when we're talking about a prison and where they get funding from. And it is when we're talking about certain countries that have a completely different economy than ours. So $45 is a significant investment being made by some people in our overseas clubs Mm -hmm. to get their Toastmaster skills. Once they do that, they also need some help because we've become almost a completely computer-based system. Used to be we had manuals and you could get your manuals and write in there. But now your speech projects and all those largely come from a computer. And the prisoners don't have access to the Internet in many cases, and they'll need assistance. So we have a tremendous group of volunteers who for years have helped these clubs thrive. There's some of our, that one club is really one of our strongest clubs in the state. There's always a waiting list for people to, to get in and join. It's a model for how others do. And it's, it's a reminder that you need to be able to appreciate the, your ability to get these skills whenever you want them and when you consume them. Some people who really need them to get by mm-hmm. find that Toastmasters is great for them. We also have other programs that don't necessarily require that Toastmasters level of organization. Toastmaster, to be a Toastmaster, you have to be 18 years or older worldwide. Clubs can exist for, for youth, high schools, um, middle schoolers. They're called gavel clubs, and they, they work with a bit of uh, different operating procedures. We also have programs that are shorter in length, one called Speechcraft, that perhaps is the one that you went through, that is defined with a beginning and end. As far as you, you, you'll go eight weeks, five people will go eight weeks, deliver three speeches and be done. Hmm. And sometimes companies like to pick that up to run their people through the programs. We as Toastmasters love to offer that because people get to the end and they're like, is that all there is? <laughs> and they want to find a club and participate more. So there's lots of different ways that we work with communities. There's also one more that we go in and well, it's called youth leadership, and we'll go teach in a classroom and work with students and teachers to, for them to do pretty much the same thing, that little mini program. It's awesome. That's so cool. Joe, when you did it, was it like the shorter version like that? Yeah, it was, that sounds right about five to eight weeks, maybe. Yeah, maybe even a little shorter, um, just because we had, we only had a certain amount of time to we, I, yeah, that sounds about right. Five weeks with you guys. That's all we had just to practice for our um, STARS award ceremony. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I love that that's an opportunity that, yes, there's Toastmasters and, you know, there's 
Toastmasters International has its own purpose and benefits and, you know, guidelines and whatnot, membership fees, like you mentioned. But then having the opportunity to have versions that are for under 18, or you said that companies will pick up some of these to have smaller versions. What is What does that look like when a company, you know, says, hey, we want this program to help improve, you know, professional development for staff? Like, what does that part look like? There is a module that that has a beginning and an end. Mm-hmm. Remember, I joined my first club 30 years ago, and I haven't reached the end yet. Right? <laughs> so not all employers like the idea of a perpetual learning environment. And the employers who do support us, they support us in so many more ways. Some of them might pay the dues of their employees. But even without doing so, they're lending their employees to us to, they're giving them the time to develop. Mm-hmm. Really, it's for their benefit, but they're, they're giving that time. They're giving office space, conference equipment, things like that. And so companies are our, our allies in growing this, but not always. You know, sometimes they'll, they'll bring you in, they'll talk to you, and they're like, this sounds great. I've read great things about Toastmasters. When is a person done? When did they graduate? And I'm possibly on the remedial program because I haven't graduated yet. <laughs> and other people, people decide when they're done, too. Mm-hmm. So we have plenty of people who join Toastmasters, get through three or four speeches and say, I am not afraid of speaking in public anymore. I'm good enough. They leave. They're wrong. <laughs> they're not good enough. <laughs> but they're not scared anymore, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Daryl knows that I am a huge fan of company culture. And so as you're talking about this being a program, you know, that a company offers, whether they pay the dues and it's some perpetual learning that's ongoing and it's it's for both sides though, right? You you mentioned that. Absolutely. It's for the professional and the personal development of that individual. But on the reverse, it's beneficial to that company because now you have people that are out there, maybe frontline employees, what whatnot, that are comfortable in those different speaking engagements and those speaking opportunities. It's a win-win, but it makes it look like it's the company being the 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 good guy, right? Supporting Absolutely. their employee, but they win at it too. Well, and there's a couple other important things, items we haven't covered yet. Meetings, mm-hmm. they start on time. <laughs> Another weird thing that almost <laughs> never happens anyplace else is they end on time. Oh, I like that. Right? And they follow an agenda, a pre-printed agenda. And to a certain extent, we follow Robert's rules of order as far as our governance. So you're not only learning to speak, but you're learning how to conduct effective meetings and get your points across in those meetings, how to plan and organize. And companies benefit immediately from that as well. And then what happens when the individual becomes a better communicator, can put things together? What do they become? They become leaders. Mm-hmm. Right? That doesn't mean they get promoted to manager. That doesn't mean anything like that necessarily. 
but they start leading. They start leading thought groups and discussions. They have, they find their voice. They have the ability to speak out Mm -hmm. and be more effective in their workplace. So the employer gains a tremendous amount by allowing Toastmasters to come in and work in their workplace. Mm -hmm. And just speaking on when we talk about employers, I want to back up to the youth just for a quick second. So when you're, when you think about youth, right, when you think about effective communication and stuff like that, do you find youth who participate in the youth groups when you go back and you look and you talk about their you're talking to their parents or whatever, do you see that there's a difference in maybe uh, uh, I, don't, I don't not necessarily behavioral switch, but is there a difference between a youth who's in the program and a youth who's not in the program when you go back and talk to their parents, is there a different response that they have when they're, I don't know, quote unquote, in trouble or trying to effectively communicate how they're feeling or what mm-hmm. they're thinking? Do you Have you seen a difference? Well, it's, it's really interesting and in merit, it varies so much depending on whether you're getting junior high school kids versus high school kids and, and the group you get. There are so many kids who have almost no compunction against just standing up in front of a bunch of people and speaking, and they don't, haven't developed that self-consciousness yet that we tend to develop a little bit as we put some armor on as adults. Mm-hmm. They're used to being constantly exposed, and we think we can hide that from the world and and have a little bit more. But one of the things that we do see is a lot of parents see what their kids are working on, see how they're developing, and then turn and seek out the program on themselves. Often people, parents of people who've been through our youth leadership modules will try to find Toastmasters and join Toastmasters. With kind of along the lines of what you mentioned right before, you were talking about, you know, the agendas and, you know, the topics and learning how to present the information, right? But does Toastmasters help as far as maybe just compiling the details and maybe any research that's involved, or is it mainly focused on the presentation side of things? It it really focuses on how you prepare. Okay. And it doesn't in any way tell you what you need to talk about. Mm-hmm. It might tell you to a certain extent how you might do it. Mm-hmm. Some of the early speeches, for instance, urge you to use body language to show what you mean or use vocal variety to add a lot of power to your speech, start introducing pauses, fundamentals, basic mm-hmm. things that are great but so hard to do when you're speaking in front of a large group of people. Mm-hmm. And that leaves it to you. Now, you might have more specific objectives as you get into the advanced levels of the education program to be looking on, talking about maybe your communication style. or So you'll be given guides and, and objectives, and you can work within those. Even at that point, there's some room for flexibility. Mm-hmm. And early on, I would say one of the challenges for new Toastmasters is finding topics to speak about. After you've done it for a while, it's like, oh, there's a duck. I can give a five-minute speech <laughs> about that duck. <laughs> but it coming up and being creative on some of those things can be a challenge for members. Yes. Mm-hmm. How interesting. When I was when I was younger, I'm just thinking as you're talking right now about 
the need to use hand gestures and that sort of thing. I was always taught and had to learn the opposite to not gesture as much because I was flailing my arms. I'm doing it right now while I talk. Um, (laughs) I've learned to kind of keep it together. And so I learned the opposite of that. So I'm sure that's part of just depending on the personality, you know, adjusting both ways. Well, in the audience, we really haven't talked Mm -hmm. about them. You know, you're speaking to a club, you're speaking in front of somewhere around 20 people or so. And they're all seated in the conference room, perhaps. And so you, you're moving your arms and swinging your body in such a way that 12, 20 people can see you. Mm-hmm. And then we also have speech contests. where You start to take your game up a notch and competing actually head-to-head against other people. And speech contests here in Arizona end up presenting to a couple hundred people in a large conference room. So you really have to take what you've done and build it a little longer. Not only that, but you have to do it in front of a video camera nowadays, virtually and, and as well. So you're, you've got a skill there. And then the winners from the state go into a quarterfinals. And then finally, in August, there is a, what we call World Championship of Public Speaking, where people from all around the world compete in a group of semifinals down and whittle themselves down. And then we hear 10 or 12 best speakers among that group. And one of the great things about it is they speak in semifinal speeches on Thursday, and then they have to deliver a completely different speech on Saturday for the contest. So it's not just being proficient in one speech that you've given over and over and over again, but it's being able to pivot and do it again and be effective. And of course, that's in front of a tremendously large stage. So all sizes of audience, all groups of people. Yeah. What did that look like during COVID? Because I know from sitting in meetings, like you said, you have that very small window of what they can see. But if you're being scored and rated, you know, you're essentially being judged on the whole thing. How does that work? Are they set up so you can see them standing, giving a presentation? How did all of that work? There were very specific rules around that. I'm glad it's great that you asked because the whole idea of for your qualification speech, you couldn't do multi-camera sort of things. Mm -hmm. So the production quality wasn't going to have anything to do with your winning. Your winning was based on your speech and how you delivered it. Important here, how you delivered it, not not necessarily the content. As I judge your speech, I might completely disagree with your point of view. <laughs> but if you deliver it wonderfully, I should be giving you high marks. So mm-hmm. it's, it's really good. And since you asked, I would suggest you go look. Just search World Championship of Public Speaking, and you'll find them on YouTube, the ability to see the winners and some second and third place contestants. And you'll be able to compare and contrast what was done a couple of years ago on stage versus what's been done the last two years on the virtual. Okay, absolutely. I'm going to. We'll be in August this year. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry, we'll be in August. We'll be in Nashville in August this year uh, presenting online, and we're quite excited to be back together. Cool. When I am searching and I'm looking for this, are you guys back to in-person or is it still a little bit of both? 
Yeah, it it was interesting as I was running for this international director office last year. I was talking to people in Singapore who never stopped meeting. They were continuing to meeting, and that this was, you know, July, August, September of 2021. We were all totally shut down, and yeah, you know, my dogs were getting really used to me being home all the time. Oh yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so. Everybody had their situation a little different, and the same on this way, on the way out, people still have things a little different. There's clubs that are meeting in person, and there's clubs that are meeting in hybrid. Mm -hmm. Those are challenges because you have to, as you know, getting the setup is a little difficult to do. And then there's clubs that are staying virtual. Hmm. And that's the way it's going to be in the future, whereas we really didn't embrace tremendously those virtual clubs in the past, it's part of our future. Mm -hmm. And we're going to continue to improve our virtual presence and continue to offer that as a product. And it seems like that's the case with, I mean, a lot of things right now. This studio is a perfect example. We were very much in person prior to everything happening. Yeah, we recorded and things like that, but we were very much a studio where you had to be in person especially because we weigh this conversation so much on the relationships that we build in this room. So bringing in multiple companies, it, it really, the magic happens. And Daryl knows he's in this room all the time. And the magic happens in this room when you have the opportunity to connect with different companies. But we've been able to do virtual. We've been able to be flexible And it allows us to bring folks in from all over the place. We have a gentleman who does a show in this studio, Joe Puzz. He has a project management office hours. And I think he's just always had global guests. And he's been, you know, pushing that envelope for a long time, even before the pandemic. And before we were forced to go virtual, Joe was already, and you can, you know, say he... Joe was already doing yeah, it. He was already doing it for sure. Yeah. yeah. And I bring- think I've I've probably hosted, I don't know, maybe 20 plus shows with Joe. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if there's ever been anyone from the US, to be honest. Yeah. But even even then, he still is able to form those relationships. It's it's different, right? But he's still able to form those relationships, but he has the opportunity for folks all over the globe to be able to join in a conversation with him here in Phoenix. So I think it's definitely, it's just where we are now is this hybrid. And like you said, sometimes it's tricky if a club is going to be hybrid and in-person and and virtual, but it's just kind of where we are now. And so if Toastmasters is able to adapt to that, then I think they're going to be successful the same way that we've been flexible of having people in the studio virtual here too. Yeah, I would agree. And, you know, we talked about clubs doing their own thing, but as you go and join that faraway club, you're, you're tightening the knot a little bit. And when we look at the goal of Toastmasters International, Mm -hmm. it's to improve communication worldwide to lead to a better understanding of, of each other. And this time, I, I wouldn't ask for it back for anything, of course, but it has allowed people to 
connect with people they never would have otherwise mm-hmm. and develop international friends. Perhaps someday they'll actually get to meet, and perhaps they never will. Mm-hmm. But that that capability suddenly became a big thing for them, and Toastmasters helped facilitate for them that for them. So it was it was a really powerful plus side of this COVID mm-hmm. situation. I love that. And you said the your focus is communication worldwide. I know that there's a specific purpose and other benefits as well of Toastmasters. Is there anything in there that we haven't touched upon? Any other benefits of Toastmasters and then maybe any, you know, that overlaying purpose is pretty much that communication worldwide, right? Right. You're talking about the the club mission statement to create a positive learning environment. Mm-hmm. I love that. Right. And every club worldwide shares that same mission. Okay to create a positive and supportive learning environment, which people are encouraged to develop their skills, resulting in greater self-confidence and personal growth. They really live for it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we we recite it and forget it, and I probably get dinged if I missed a word or two. There's, there's a Toastmaster who's <laughs> going to whack you. me over the head. You can, <laughs> but, but Trish will. I know she will. <laughs> and just... Probably this is definitely going to backpedal, but I'm curious. So when you think about communication with humans, correct? And then you think about technology, right? Humans create technology. So how do we, is there a, do you feel, do you feel if, if we can communicate as individuals better, we can help better, we can help our technology communicate better, if that makes any sense. Because we have to, as humans, we have to write a code, right? Mm -hmm. But we are only writing that code from, a certain point of view, if, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. You go into Intel, you go into AAA where I work, you go into a lot of these different Toastmasters clubs, and you will find a high percentage of software engineers, hmm. computer engineers, who are highly proficient at the software code they're writing and recognize their need to de-geek a little bit <laughs> and, and work on their communication skills. And it's it's funny, as I talk to Toastmasters, in particular the ones across the U.S., to find out how many different ones are from an IT background, as I am. Our, our president-elect runs an IT firm, and a couple of the international directors are all IT guys so and girls. So we are... We work on geekiness and communication, and there's, of course, I mean, not just computer communication, but there's cultural communication challenges with with every international culture, mm-hmm. and people appreciate certain speaking mannerisms better than others do, and direct, added, direct approaches might be more effective in one place than another, for instance. Okay. So okay. the ability to participate in those other clubs will help develop you there as well. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you asked that, though, because I wouldn't have thought to ask that. But it it definitely, communication is just, it's the foundation of how everything works. And I work with a lot of companies that are trying to improve their overall company culture. And one of the common denominators in most cases is the communication is just, it's not there. 
And so if you can work on it at a personal level with a a program like this with Toastmasters and have that opportunity and have that that chance to gain that confidence, right? That's what you're you're teaching. You're giving that opportunity to gain the confidence. That's going to help that individual communicate. And then that's going to translate through the rest of the company. You know, particularly through the evaluation and feedback. Mm-hmm. Because that's a skill you can really gain on when you're practicing doing it. And rather than saying that stunk, mm-hmm. right? To be able to give constructive feedback and, and work from a, a way where you're telling people really what they liked and what what they thought they could improve on in developing something. So you're leaving a person knowing, validated that you agreed with them in many ways, but there were some different ways. Then you stop those cultural uh, barriers, right? That, that people stop talking because they perceive that they can't get there. And when we are able to communicate that feedback effectively, it, it'll, it'll help. Yeah. And like you were saying with the number of engineers that are part of this as well, I know a lot of engineers that you know, they are totally fine sitting at their desk, sitting behind the computer, not talking to anyone. But at the end of the day, you have to, right? At some point, you're going to communicate. You're going to have to talk and convey messages with your team. So like you said, with Toastmasters, not only are you working on that presentation side of things as an individual, but that feedback side and learning how to provide feedback, take feedback and evaluation. That, I mean, from my perspective, is almost more important than, you know, the presenting itself. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And and a, a taking, as you said, taking feedback is, is a learned skill too. Yeah. Some, you, some people don't like to get that, right? Yeah. Can you teach my mother this? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Don't tell her. <laughs> Don't tell her I said that. This is just fascinating to me. I know we don't have too much time left, so I want to see if Daryl has any other questions as well. I will say from my perspective, though, working and connecting with companies so often that are trying to grow their company culture, this program checks so many boxes. And not just checks the boxes, but it allows so many opportunities and benefits for the staff, the company, the individuals, just overall, I never would have looked at Toastmasters as a company, as an opportunity to bring into a company and provide. So I love that. Well, yeah. And and if you're talking about perhaps someone's listening saying, well, I'm a small company. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't part with one of my seven employees for, for an hour in the middle of the day and that sort of thing. There's not, there's a lot of people who go to those Toastmaster clubs in the mornings, in the evenings. Mm-hmm. We call them community clubs. It's the same thing as the corporate clubs. It just they're not in corporations. Often they meet in Denny's or or different uh, restaurants or the restaurants are probably the most popular. Libraries also are places they meet. People might not even feel comfortable going and standing and practicing the speech, practicing that speech in front of their peers. Mm. So I going in front of that. a group of strangers, mm-hmm. and you you can be a little bit more vulnerable, perhaps in that case, and 
still grow and, and gain from there. Mm-hmm. Kind of like going into the phone booth and coming out of Superman, right? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Especially if, what did they used to tell people when you get up in front of a crowd? You picture people in their underwear? I was can one you, of the... Can you imagine if those are your employees you're practicing with? <laughs> right? That was, you know, the feedback I got when I shared with a friend I was giving that speech 30 years ago is he sent me a book, I Could See You Naked. <laughs> Between that and Toastmasters, I'll take Toastmasters. (laughs) See, maybe it's better to do the ones with strangers in a Denny's restaurant. I'm just imagining somebody having to give their speech in the Denny's restaurant, though. Yeah, that would be interesting. (laughs) Well, it's not. If you look at a lot of these restaurants, you'll see back rooms and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And so they have arrangements with the, the restaurants and who are also supportive of us and allow us to use their back rooms. We generally eat while we're there, so the restaurants, you know, get some revenue from it. But. Yeah. Again, it's a win-win. Everybody, sure. all of the parties win that are involved. Yep. If if there was one thing you can tell your younger self, knowing what you know now, what would it be? Wow. Communication-wise, of course. <laughs> What, what yeah. is one? What's a what's well? The first one that just popped in my head was the time I got my mouth uh, rinsed with soap from my mom when I learned that a word that I didn't know was a curse word was a curse <laughs> word. But I don't think that's the question you're asking. <laughs> we'll let you have that part as a freebie. Yes, yeah, it's, it's 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 not too late to start. It's but. Getting an early start makes a big difference for a lot of people. You see a lot of people at a young age getting into this program. And let's, we, gosh, do we have another three hours? Because <laughs> it, we haven't talked about the fact as you're doing this, you're networking and establishing relationships, either with people in different departments oh. where you work or people throughout your community. So you're getting out there, you're getting more confidence, and you're knowing more people. Mm-hmm. So starting that earlier, can only help. I love that. That's a good answer. I didn't even think about that as we're talking about all of these perks, especially if you're joining a group that's not your employees and not your coworkers. Well, they're both good because when you, unless you're joining a departmental Toastmasters Club, mm-hmm. all of a sudden now you have an opportunity to speak with marketing or sales or HR, people that you don't spend your day working with. Yeah, absolutely. So next time you have a question about something, you have a whole new group of people to call on. Mm-hmm. So if we have folks listening, whether they're the leader of a company or a mom that has a kiddo at home that's trying to teach them not to use the word like in every other <laughs> word but, of the um, sentence, yeah. I swear that's not a example from my house. <laughs> But if you have, you know, say those different listeners listening in right now. Yeah, totally. What advice, what do you, (laughs) um, like, what advice, what suggestions would you give them as far as how to start, where to start, what to do, where to go? Where to start, the most accessible spot is to look at toastmasters.org. Toastmasters is one word. It's got nothing to do with the machine that cooks bread. (laughs) What you'll find from there, 
you can also look at aztoastmasters.org, which will tell you what's going on here. Okay. But from either site, you can find clubs that meet nearby you. Mm-hmm. If you're looking at starting a Toastmasters club with your employer, if you're an employee, talk to a couple people, then go to a boss and say, I want to do that. And then once you have that, then look at that AZ Toastmasters site and we'll get some people in place to help you. We need to continue to work on this communication thing. If we haven't, in a hundred years, we have not created world peace, mm-hmm. right? But only through really effectively communicating are we going to get there. Mm-hmm. And you talk about conflict and how if you look at the one thing that happens during conflict is communication breaks down. Mm-hmm. And we have lots of opportunities to improve how we're, we're communicating globally. And that starts at the dinner table or, or the office. Absolutely. And when you mention the AZ Toastmasters to go there, are there opportunities for folks to just maybe pop in and see and join oh, thank a you. club yeah. before they commit to the $45? Before the ritual and the oath and the, yeah, blood, the before, blood draw? Yes. No. Oh, I knew that was in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, before all of that, is there an opportunity just to kind of pop in and get a taste for it? Absolutely. The, the one thing to look for, if you look for that find a club thing, Mm-hmm. is that you don't want to be going to Florence prison. <laughs> yes. I would click on that one on accident. <laughs> Terrell, sign Ooh. us up for an event. <laughs> Florence, the flowers are pretty down there. right? <laughs> but uh, there are many closed clubs, clubs that meet inside of corporations that have security outside that, that can't support clubs. So just make sure that it's an open club and you can visit to your heart's content. People, different clubs might start asking you after your first visit or your second or third if there's anything they can do to help you become a member. Mm-hmm. But you can't start working your education program till you join up, but you certainly can get a feel. And I would suggest you go to a couple different clubs because each mm-hmm. one has its own character, its, its own uh, vibe, personality. Some of them we can't talk about on radio. (laughs) (laughs) And when you say look for one that's an open club, if I'm searching online, will it let you know? It shows a little pin dot that's an open club. Okay, so I can't sign up for the Florence one by accident. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) just making sure. (laughs) You can get in, but you can't get out. (laughs) (laughs) I am a full-time member then. (laughs) Um, Awesome. All right, and then last question for me. Yeah. Um, what if someone wants to reach out to you directly? How does that happen? Well, you can certainly communicate with me. Do you want me to give my email address? Is that whatever uh, works for you? If those folks are listening if and they're like, have, "Okay, I'm interested, but I have more," how can they right. reach you? So my email address is Michael Holian, one word, and my last name is H O L I A N at Toastmasters.org. Love that. Perfect. And if you, with our last few moments, is there anything else that you want to throw in, you want to add that maybe you came into this room going, okay, this is the one thing I'm going to make sure I get across to Daryl and Kendra. Hey, the the thing that I'm going to get slapped about is I haven't (laughs) talked about all the things the district does to support the community. They're recently at the Festival of Books down in Tucson. They've worked in job fairs. They, they work in the classrooms. 
there's a lot of people giving their time and helping and, and spending time. Mm-hmm. And our district conference will be May 19th, I believe, the Friday there. And co-author of Chicken Soup for the Soul Ooh. will be one of the keynotes at that conference. And where is that conference it, located? It's at the Harris Auction in Maricopa. Oh, here. Very cool. So that's Mark Victor Hansen, co-author of Chicken Soup for the Soul. Okay. So some cool stuff. Very cool. And what was the date you said? That's in May? I just turned off my phone. That's okay. You don't have to look. <laughs> <laughs> May 20th. May 20th. 21st. Okay. Awesome. And is that another opportunity for folks to come and attend and uh, well, not have to be a member already? Um so it's a conference, okay. like a convention. So there would be some fees to attend some of the events. And Absolutely. there's different things. Where they have speech contests. Their district speech contests are going on Friday night and Saturday night. Cool. And that AZ Toastmaster site would tell you how to do that. And But you can sort of a la carte your menu. So if you want to hear me speak, I'll pay you. If you want to hear <laughs> other people speak, I'll have to pay them. <laughs> I love it. Well, Michael, I'm so excited that I had the chance to guest host today because I get the chance to host other shows with very particular topics and very particular guests. And I always find the opportunity when I'm on a different show to still find how it connects to culture (laughs) and companies. And yeah, there's that crossover with communication and just extra resources that help the community and that help all levels, right? It's not just, I think I came into this conversation not really understanding the audience of Toastmasters. And so I really appreciate you coming in, having the time to chat with Daryl and I. And obviously everyone else gets to listen to this later as well. But I'm really excited that I had the chance to sit with you and learn a little bit. So Thank you for coming in. Thank you. It was a tremendous pleasure. And the time flew by. I, I'm telling you, it does. Every time. Gives <laughs> people every time. We say an hour and they say, oh, what are we going to talk about for an hour? And then you look at the time and you're like, "Where? Uh, there's still so much to talk about. And that could be talked about. Yep. But as Kendra said, yes, thank you so much for being here, Michael. I do appreciate your time. With that being said. Um, thank you guys for listening to Phoenix Business Radio X. I'm Dale Robinson, the community manager producer. Um, some media leans left, some media leans right, and we lean business. Until next time, I'm Daryl Robinson, not Karen Wicky. Mm-hmm.